we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. so much. Um, I'm going to confirm it's Edith who read the Bible, yeah? Because I always mix Edith and her sister up. And then I want to say an apology to Edith because there was a mix-up, most likely from my end, that indicated to her during the week that she has to read all of 1 John chapter 3. And so she's practiced that whole chapter <laughs> to be read today and we only picked it up this morning. So thank you so much for your commitment to have been willing to read a whole chapter of the Bible to us, even though you didn't get to read any of it <laughs> this morning. So just thank you so much, Edith, really, and sorry for the mix-up. <laughs> um, good morning, everyone. Morning to our folks at Zoom, at home on Zoom as well. Uh, I'm Etienne, and uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll take you through the next part of this service with some help from many of our students. We're... Um, we're on this series, uh, part two, that we're calling What is Church? And I want to, if you missed last week, say it again. At the outset, it's a, it's a different kind of series. It requires a fair bit of staying with what happens up the front. Uh, I apologize if, 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 if we lose you along the way, although I have full confidence that, um, that, that you can. And with God's help, we can, we can go through the content each week and grow and learn significantly. However, I'd love to create an opportunity for you to ask me and for us to help each other to clarify things that we talk about. And so this week, straight after the message, I'm going to just hang around in this corner over here and I want us to kind of maybe just pull up a little bit of a circle of chairs and, and just discuss maybe what we've heard last week or this week or each of the weeks, each week we'll have a kind of a hard-hitting truth or, or maybe a confronting sort of a thing that we may not have really thought about or that we may not even be so sure we agree with, <laughs> to be honest, uh, depending on where we come from. And I'd love to provide a, an opportunity for us to talk about that, uh, to, to unpack un, un, uh, it a bit or, or for you to speak back to me uh, and minister to me and also for us to pray for the church each week uh, from now on in. So that'll be on afterwards. If you, if you want to grab a cup of coffee or, or, or come straight to me, just, just know that that'll be, that'll be there um, over here and we'll talk and we'll pray some more. Okay, for today though, let me jump in. Uh, I'll first recap a little bit from last week for us. We said last week our starting point for what the church is starts with the very word used for the church. Church is the gathering, the getting together of God's people. And the reason the church gets together is so that God can speak to his people. That's very powerful in that the Holy Spirit speaks to us in our day and age. It's also so that we, God's people, can speak to him. That is also very powerful in our day and age compared to history past because Jesus has ascended. He's at the right hand of the Father and so Owen's 
prayer this morning and David's prayer is echoed in the very presence and face of God the Father because Jesus is praying it there. It's how powerful us talking to God is, right? And all of that is possible because of the sacrifice. Jesus Christ was sacrificed for the forgiveness of our sins. That means that, that, that when we gather in a unique and a heightened sense, God speaks to us, we get to speak to him all through Jesus. Okay? So that was last week. This week I want to, in a sense, extend that a little bit further. We're not going to add a whole heap of new stuff. We're, we're going to push a bit deeper into what we started last week. And we're going to define the church as the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We, when we gather, when we meet, we get to encounter, we said last week, the presence of God in a unique sense, in a unique way. We fellowship with God. The church is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. But before we talk more about fellowship, maybe you wonder, what does it even mean? What does the word fellowship mean? actually mean? Well, I've got a helper. Uh, Zaria, have you made your way back in here? Uh, <laughs> Zaria's on babysit. She, uh, she's she's got to be in two places today, so while we grab Zaria, um, I might just get you to yell out for me. What do you think fellowship means? Anyone, just yell. Go for it. Connecting together? Yeah, sure. So a sense of connecting together. Yeah, great. Thanks, Reggie. Anything else? Encouraging? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so when we fellowship or connect together, we, there's encouragement that comes from it. Yeah, great. Like-mindedness, so we have fellowship. We sort of think the same way about things. Or, Yeah, great. Thank you, John. Um, pardon? Yeah, journeying together. I love the picture there coming to mind almost of Lord of the Rings, you know. <laughs> Is that, was that what you were thinking? Oh, man. <laughs> we must be very close to each other. Dunno, no, we, yeah, we haven't spoken about this, but yes, uh, fellowship with the ring, that journey, that quest, right? This, uh, and it entails a lot of things. Uh, yes, Zaria, come on up. Wait, oh, it's just he's just going to do it from behind. That's fine. Yeah, Zaria's in the back. Tell us, what's your, what do you think fellowship is? Thanks, Zaria. That's excellent. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. You can uh, go back to your, <laughs> your, 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 your babysit duties. <laughs> All of it's correct. All of it's part of the answer. I just want to deepen it, perhaps, by, by saying often fellowship has very intimate and weighty things to it. You know, if you go, let's say, Lord of the Rings, consider the story, consider the, in fact, the whole point of the whole trilogy is to uphold the beauty of fellowship in face of life's dangers, in face of life's uh, challenges, hurts, trials, losses, grief, 
all of it, at the end of it, what redeemed and what made the whole thing worth it for the little hobbits was their fellowship, right? It is what adds perhaps meaning, perhaps purpose to all of life. It's a fellowship that a husband and wife enjoy. Fellowship that two best friends for a lifetime enjoy. Fellowship that a team who leads through difficult times enjoys that adds often the sweetest joy and meaning of purpose of why they do what they do in the first place anyway. Right? All of that is part of what it means to be in fellowship. Now against that, I'd like to read the verse that Edith read to us this morning again. Here what, this is what God says. We proclaim to you that we have what we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That's a verse you've got to read twice and you've got to think about it. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Can you consider the astonishing implications of that? Do you believe that you believe that you have fellowship with God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ? That everything that we just said about what fellowship is is on offer and should be true for Christians, for you. This is the nature of the, the type of relationship that, that we are called, that you and I are called to have with God. Right? This is the staggering uh, uh, claim that, that we get from the Scriptures. And, and, and how the church experiences that and, and how that is actually part of the life of the church, we have to get from one of the, the metaphors of the church. So stay with me. In the Bible, we're given a lot of images and pictures and metaphors for the church. I'm not going to go through all of them in this series. I'm going to talk about two and one of them is, is going to come up today. Here is what it is. Can I ask for... Who's reading this for us? Regan. Can Regan please read to us 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16? Thank you, Regan. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? And Brooke, can you read the next verse to us as well, please? Thanks, Brooke. I had both those verses read because I want you to see the connection here. God has called you into fellowship with himself. And the reason that can be true is because you yourselves are God's temple, right? If you were here last week, you'll remember the reality of this place. 
in the history of the Old Testament, the temple is where God puts his presence. This is where God lived in a certain sense as we looked on, on that great timeline of the book that we had. And now we get to the New Testament and God says, what is the temple now? Where is God's presence? If you want to have fellowship with God, where will you find it? The church. You, Paul says, you are now God's temple. It is in you who he lives. It is in you, in the church, uh, that he lives, that his presence is put, if you like, and therefore you are the fellowship or have fellowship with God through the church. But again, there's this question that we now need to ask because the you in these verses are plural. Groups. If we were in the south, the deep south of the US, this would have read, don't you know that y'all, y'all are the temple of God who dwells in y'all midst, right? Together, this is, this is where the presence of God is. This is where the fellowship of God is. That 1 verse 9, God is faithful who is called y'all together, use. That's the, that's, that's the more Tassie way of saying it, I suppose. <laughs> We're in Tassies, it's use. Use are the fellowship of God. It's in use together as a group that he dwells. Right? But what about myself then as an individual? Does, does God also dwell in me as an individual? I've, I've got a, even, and Lacey made a little temple. Do I get to, and we've touched on this last week too, do I get to have fellowship with God on my own? Do I get to have an individual relationship with God? Or or is my relationship with God only ever through the group? Do I only ever share fellowship with God on a Sunday morning when, when I'm together with other Christians? Or do I get to share fellowship with God on my own as well? Monday to Friday. It's an important question. And the answer to it is perhaps a little bit different to what you may think. Let me move on by trying to bring these two temples together. What does God have in mind? What, sorry, we have to read a verse first. Can I ask Jade, do you want to read this for us? Sorry, Bianca. This verse is to to just back up that the Bible itself talks about your individual body also as a temple of the Holy Spirit. So, go for it, Jade. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Thanks, Jade. In that case, the word you is singular. Don't you know that you yourself as an individual are also a temple of the Holy Spirit? So we've got you together as a group. As a group, you're a temple. 
and you as an individual. Which is it? And you might at this point wonder, why is this important, man? Like, I'll tell you why soon. It is important. Uh, but for now, just stay with me. Trust me. It's worth asking the question, which it is. We've got to bring these two together, and, and this is how they come together. I want to show a quote to you that I'll illustrate with a few helpers very soon. It's probably one of the most confronting statements that I've uh, encountered in recent years. Here it is. It comes from one of the early church fathers who lived about 300-odd years after Jesus. Here's what he has to say. No one can have God for his father who has not the church for his mother. Think about that. You cannot have fellowship with God outside of some fellowship with the church. That's what he's saying. Right? Right or wrong? <laughs> Very confronting idea. Let me illustrate it to you and then we'll unpack what it might mean and what it might not mean because I think how you understand this statement, I, I think this is right but it depends on how you understand it. Leaders throughout church history agreed with Cyprian John Calvin agreed with him, if you know who John Calvin is, but they had a particular understanding of what it looked like, what it did mean and what it didn't mean. Let me illustrate to you first. I'd like to have a few helpers just to add some clarity to this. Can I get Naria to come on to the front for me? So Naria and Indy, you can come too, and then I need perhaps another three more People who can help me, yes. Who's going to come? Kids, any children, who would like to come? Yeah, just come on up. It doesn't matter how many. Um, yeah. In fact, the more the, the more the merrier. Yeah. Here comes another kid. Big kid. Okay. Um, now, let's rearrange you a little bit. We need the, the bulk of you over here. So, so yeah, can, can one of you, maybe Evan, can you stay over there for me? And Naria, can you stay in the middle and everybody else over here? Right. So this, this is our church. Um, these are a group of people who, who, who believe all the things that we believe about God, that Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sin. And, and this is God over here. Um, you're playing God for today. It's just pretend. It's not real. Do not take it home. <laughs> Nari is going to play God for us today. And, and, and what is the case here already? Can you guys kind of stand maybe in a semicircle facing Naria for me? Uh, each of these guys have a relationship, a fellowship with God, right? They, they, there's this connection that exists between God and each of them as a group, but also each of them as an individual. And now we have Evan who says, look, he two wants to have fellowship and a relationship with God. What 
Cyprian is saying to us, and what I'm going to suggest to you, John is saying to us, is, I don't want to say it's impossible, <laughs> because God can do whatever God wants to do. But what we see, in, not in black and white terms, but in pretty dark grey terms in the Bible and in history, is that if Evan is going to have a relationship with God, come with me, Evan, here's what it's going to look like. He is going to have that relationship with God only if he, at the very same time, has a relationship with these guys. Right? The very idea that you stay there, Evan, that Evan can be over here and he can have a relationship with God, he can enjoy fellowship with God completely between him and God and there's no other church involved, no other connection there. It doesn't exist. Can God give a person fellowship with him without being connected to his church? I'm sure he can. Is it what we see in the Bible about the way God prefers to draw people into fellowship with him? No. Some of you might say to me, well, what about Rab Paul? The Apostle Paul's conversion story. He had a vision, completely anti-God, not connected to the church at all, and Jesus appears to him and speaks to him. It's true. But then what happens after that? He goes into Damascus, and God says, you're going to meet a man called Ananias. And Ananias <laughs> prays for Saul. Sights restored, baptised filled with the Spirit, joined with the church into fellowship with God. Right? So many accounts of Muslims who, who, who Jesus, whom Jesus reaches with visions and, 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 and prompts. And, and just to be very clear, none of this means that God cannot speak to people who aren't part of the church. He can speak to them. He can draw them. He can prompt them. He can give them visions. He can give them, God can do and will do and has to do all of that regardless. I'm not saying none of that can happen. But I'm simply saying the full fellowship with God will only be experienced when this individual is part of the church. Right? You guys can grab a seat. Thanks. You'll, uh, you did well. Your your little temple experience depends on whether you're part of the big temple. Right? In fact, I asked Evan to leave a piece of this out. Do you know, in the context of your relationship with God, you're a part of this temple. You're a brick or a stone in this temple. You're part of such a vast family of God. And your fellowship with him can only be complete and full if you are part of that family. I think this is what the scriptures uh, teaches us. Uh, this is how God intends for it to work. Now, let's, let's draw it to a, to a close. Why does this matter? Sorry, before I go to a close, I just want to go back to John. Did you notice the order 
in which John gives us how things happen here. I'm going to ask for this verse to be read again. Danielle, can you read it to us? We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Thanks, Danielle. You notice the order in which, so John is talking to a bunch of people who are new to faith and new to church. He says, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard. We told you about Jesus so that you may have fellowship with us and indeed our shared fellowship is with the Father. Which came first? Your fellowship with the church, right? Of all the people who I've known to have come to accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour in the last few years in this church, there was a strong connection with the church before there came a connection to Jesus. Right? Think about your own life. I'm willing to bet a fair wad of cash that every single person here today who calls himself a child of God, you became that because there was a Christian, a member of the church who was part of your life. Whether it was your parents, a friend, a family member, It is through the fellowship of that person or those people that you eventually came to enjoy the full fellowship with God. I think this is what John is saying. That you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Our fellowship with God as individuals is connected to, depends on, flows through our being connected to his church. Okay, why does it matter? Let me move to that that part of the service. Well, if this is true, I believe it is, it means that I will take other Christians very, very seriously. Because it's gathered with them together that I share the highest fellowship with God that I can. Right? I think, let me offer myself as an example. Just, you could think of me, or you could think of the most godly person in Pathway. Actually, <laughs> that didn't come out right. That's not me. <laughs> Absolutely not me. Think of someone else who is the most godly person you know in Pathway, not me. I offer myself just by virtue of the fact that I'm a pastor. But see, here's the problem. We think, we think perhaps that because he is a pastor, he would have such better experiences of fellowship with God by virtue of the fact that he is such a godly man and devotes so much time on the scripture and spends so much time alone with God. Therefore, his experience of God in his life must be so much better than mine. This whole thing undercuts that. It says, you know, the, the, the most acute and fullest and richest fellowship that I or whoever the godliest person in this room is can have with God. Can have with God. Is here. 
Which means that <laughs> I need you and you need me and you need her and he needs you and you need each other because your fellowship with God is first and foremost in this. Do you realize how important this makes us to each other? Do you realize how important this makes church? It's incredibly important. You see, we live in a, in a culture that is so Western and so individualistic that says it is about your personalized, customized, individual experience. That is where the epitome and the, where, the, where the height is. That is not the biblical idea. It is not God's idea of how he seeks to have fellowship with his children. I'm not saying you shouldn't have private devotions and private fellowship with God. You absolutely should. Jesus did it. But I am perhaps venturing a question, where in the pecking order of priorities does that lie? It's perhaps not as high as we always make it out to be. Husbands and wives, do you know that when you gather together in prayer, that God speaks to you, when you speak to God, do you know that there is a, there is a greater fellowship there than what you can have on your own? Your families, do you know that in your gathered context there is a stronger fellowship you ought to have with God than what you can have on your own. Small groups, mentoring relationships, all of those. I, 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 take me up on this in the discussion afterwards. I would say they outrank your private devotions. They should. Right? They outrank it because of this verse that I might ask Anna to read to us. Thanks, Jimmy. Sorry, Amber. Amber. Sorry. Forgive me. For when two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. For two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Is it because this is how Jesus understood? fellowship with God that it's always going to be greater and better in a group in a togetherness I'd argue that it is you might say but that is not my experience of encountering God together with my spouse or my small group or my church or my friends I much prefer my own because it's much better I get a lot more out of it a lot more satisfying. That may well be true, but I put it to you that is because we need to work on how to enjoy fellowship with God better as married couples, as families, as churches, as groups. And God willing, this is where we'll grow. This is what we'll lift and enhance and become better at, uh, rather than saying they're not important because they're hugely important. Okay, so that's the first thing. Other Christians in your life Enjoying fellowship with God through them and with them is, 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 a, is a huge point we get out of this. I take them very seriously. And then the last one is this. We will take our relationships with non-Christians very seriously. 
as their means for potential fellowship with God. Anna, can you read your Bible verse to us, please? And that's the last one. (coughs) Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Hear that? Jesus saying, someone welcomes you into their life. (laughs) They welcome me. (laughs) Right? I don't think that's a full salvation, but I think they've begun to enjoy fellowship with me. (laughs) And for how long was mission in the church deemed as you just, it's a very transactional thing. You hand out a tract or, or, or we go to crusade and we have a a formality and an experience and and that's it. It has a place, but I put it to you again in God's design that what he wants from each of us is to extend fellowship. The people in your life who don't know Jesus, they'll have fellowship with God through fellowship with you. The way that they will come into the full fellowship of understanding who Christ is and becoming children is most likely in God's design through fellowship with you. So this has volumes to speak to us about how we do mission, how we do evangelism, how we reach out with God's love to those who don't know him. It means that it is relational. It means that it is through loving directly and sharing our faith as we often encourage each other to do. So with that, let me finish up. You are not saved by the church faith in Jesus' sacrifice for your sin saves you and makes you a child of God. And yet God will make that a reality in your life almost certainly through the church by drawing you to it, by making you a part of it, by allowing you to experience the heights of fellowship with him as part of the church. She is incredibly important. And may God build her, raise her, and Jesus truly be with us where we gather in twos, threes, tens, twenties, or a hundred. Please pray with me. Jesus, thank you for your desire to have fellowship with us. We again confess that we have a lot of growth to do. We have a lot of growth to do in what it means to enjoy fellowship with you together as a church. Will you be gracious? Will you help us? Will you help us in our homes? Will you help us in our friendships? Will you help us in our marriages? Will you help us in our small groups? Will you help us on our Sunday gatherings? Will you help us as different churches in the world to grow in experiencing and knowing and savouring and cherishing the fellowship you seek to have with us as your temple? Father, I do pray that you'd made breakthroughs for us, that you'd supply for each person here 
other than a Sunday morning somewhere else that we may have fellowship with you together with others. I do pray for our individual private devotional lives. Lord, may they flourish. May they be an incredible extension and blessing to the fellowship we have already with you as we share it. We thank you that you love your family. We thank you that you want to grow your family. I pray that you would point out to us who you want to extend fellowship to that we may offer it. Who are the people in our lives who may yet come to enjoy fellowship with you because they've enjoyed fellowship with us? Prompt us. Make us sensitive. Fill us with love. Fill us with confidence and faith and hope. And Lord, make more children of yourself, we pray. Add to your family. Grow it. Add to it here, we pray, as you have. And may this fellowship become deeper and wider in your grace and power. As we pray in Jesus' name, Amen.